Good morning, CLC. Coming to you live from Center Court at the one and only Staples Center. This is Community Life. Um, simply put, the mission statement here at CLC, or you know, even here at Staples Center, um, is to make disciples who love God, love people, and who serve the world. One way that we seek to love on our community each and every week, and for those of you who are here for the first time, is through our handy dandy website. Uh, simply reach out to us. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, find us at www.christianlayman.org forward slash contact. I know during this time, um, definitely being able to see a lot of your faces or even just jump on a call with all of you is has been uh, definitely among the highlights of each and every week for me. Um, and I know definitely if this is your first time here, we'd love to get to know you as well. And so definitely make sure to check that out. Um, so in the upcoming week on Tuesday, the 16th, um, you know, we've had opportunities to Zoom our bosses, our professors, our friends, our family, even the penguins at the Cincinnati Zoo. But have you Zoomed a, uh, a missionary yet? This upcoming Tuesday would your, is your opportunity to do so. Um, as a church that is very much missions oriented, uh, we will be having an opportunity to reach out to one of our own very own missionaries that we support each and every month. Um, and, you know, definitely with COVID and, and everything that's been going on, um, you know, the missions field is definitely a very different place. And so, you know, this is an opportunity to get to hear what that looks like right now um, and just the different things that, you know, we can do to continue to support and uh, to partner alongside um, one of our uh, very own uh, missionaries. On June 24th and 25th, there is the annual RADIUS conference. Um, it is one of the nation's largest conferences for missions. And so um, if you have even the slightest interest or just are really interested to see how God is working in the world around us, definitely make sure um, to check that out. And the information can be found um, in an evite that we send out soon. So each and every week we've been going through five of 10 ways to serve or in this month, four of 10 ways to serve as an incentive to check out our website and our e-news. Um, you know, definitely in the times that we're in, um, definitely being able to be there for our community, our family, our friends um, goes a really long way. And so um, as we go through this new series at CLC, um, definitely we want to um, put those things into action and definitely have ways to tangibly um, really respond in, in the ways that we're continuing to learn. I know this past week, um, for me and my, a couple of my friends that we, we were chatting on the phone um, just about everything that's been going on. And um, sometimes it could feel like uh, we're, we're going on an uphill battle. And you know, in many ways that we do want to serve, it's really easy um, to say like, oh, it's like, it's only one person or it's only a group of us. Like, what can we really do? But you know, that's, that's where it starts, right? It starts with us. It starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with everyone in our community to continue um, to push that forward, to make a better tomorrow and, and really mold and shape a world that, you know, we want to live in and, and, and be, be in community with, with um, just our neighbors and friends and family around us. And so um, definitely here are only four of 10 ways, um, but definitely check out our e-news. If you're um, not currently on our e-news, you can definitely sign up on the Christian Layman website. Um, where uh, www.christianlayman.org forward slash contact. And there's a little ticker button. You just click it 
and you are on our mailing list. So um, definitely make sure to check that out. Um, CLC Ministries each and every week is made possible through um, our amazing uh, pastoral team um, and just our admin staff and just every single person um, that makes this possible and, you know, just even makes this platform in each Sunday possible. And so um, definitely um, if you want to holla at us uh, at www.christianlayman.org forward slash give, um, definitely a great way to support CLC Ministries um, and continue to allow us to also, um, you know, press ahead and and even just give back to our own communities as well and the different organizations um, and, you know, missionaries and many other people that we support each and every month. Um, and, you know, each, each and every Sunday isn't complete with our CLC virtual hall. So definitely make sure to check that out. Um, our virtual social hall Zoom um, password and call code will be um, on a slide at the end of service. Um, you know, this is definitely a great way to connect with our community while we are um, safely socially distanced and um, just in the comfort of our, of our own homes. Um, just continue to see all your smiling faces and really just brighten up each and every week. Um, until next week, um, for all the, uh, for, you know, just as a PSA next Sunday is father's day. And so, um, definitely don't forget that mark it on your calendars. Um, and, um, I'll see you next week for father's day. Um, have a great week, stay safe and, uh, can't wait to see you all soon. In the meantime, um, Pastor Andrew kicking it off to you. Hey, um, hi, church family. Um, how is everyone? I'm trying to imagine all the lovely faces and uh, behind behind my computer. <laughs> um, uh, I am Pastor Andrew, and I'm not teaching today. I'm reintroducing our series um, called Who is My Neighbor? Um, it's a series about ethnicity and racial injustice and our response as people who follow Jesus. And so uh, what I wanted to do now before Pastor Ben comes on is I wanted to spend just a little time framing expectations, just framing expectations. You see, the difficulty of addressing issues like this is that everyone is like in a different place. And so if everyone is in a different place, then how can we possibly be united in having this conversation? Well, I talked with our staff team about this and we came up with a roadmap, okay? So, um, so we can all be moving in the same direction and take the same steps together. And so here are uh, the steps. Number one, as a community of faith, we want to lament. And so we talked about that last week and, and we made time to go there and we're still making time to go there. Um, number two, we want to grow in awareness. Number three, we want to educate. Number four, we want to repent. And number five, we want to act. Now, because when, when stuff went down, some people want to, you know, do something right away. And that is really cool. And, and there are other people who are like, I want to read a book, you know, and that is really cool too. So some of us might be saying, let's go faster. And others of us might be saying, oh, let's slow down. So how can we, um, well, I, I would like us to, hey, let's all go together, right? And so let's take some definable steps 
together. And so uh, let these be the steps. Uh, lament, awareness, educate, repent, and act. Okay, now uh, pretty quickly, let's, let's frame how we're going to engage. How are we going to engage? Um, the staff team has been learning from experts in the field of racial injustice and we've been listening and we've been learning and they have said to us that for a predominantly Asian American church like ours, we need to have a conversation that only we can have. It's, it's an uncomfortable conversation for some. Uh, you could even call it a hard conversation, but we need to have it. We need to talk about real and honest issues like hostility between African-Americans and Asian-Americans. We need to go there. We also need to talk about stuff like the myth of the model minority. You know, we need to go there too. So um, another thing that we have also learned from experts in the field is that if we're going to talk about these real gritty issues as a church, they said, prepare to make some mistakes. Prepare to say the wrong thing. I mean, to some degree, this is uncharted territory. There, um, imagine uh, there are landmines in a field ahead, and we don't exactly know where they are. Now go, right? And um, so as a community of faith, can we all agree on a few things going forward? Can we make this conversation a safe conversation? We need to process stuff. We need a safe place to do it. We need to process real feelings and not feel judged in the process. Let's make our church a safe place to process hard things. Why? Well, we need to work through these hard issues in order to become more and more like Jesus. So we invite people to be honest, but we also invite people to be constructive. Uh, please don't see the pulpit as the final word, the beginning, but the beginning of a conversation towards transformation. So talk to your home group leaders, talk to anyone on the staff team, be honest, be constructive, and let's talk. Well, when Raina and I were right about to have our first child, uh, we received sage advice from others. They said, have an agreement before you go into this coming season of constant demand and little sleep, okay? Agree to proactively give each other grace. And man, that was some good, good advice. Church family, can we agree as we walk into this next season to proactively give each other grace? Let's be a family that's not afraid to have the hard conversation and actively loving one another through it. So when it comes to some of these topics, we may not all agree, but you don't have to agree to be able to understand. Okay. So... Um, here's the scripture for today. Here is God's word for today. And then we'll hand it over to Pastor Ben. It comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 26 to 27. Listen to God's word. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is God's word. 
And thank you, Pastor Andrew. Good morning, CLC. It's Pastor Ben here. And happy Father's Day. Oh, that's right. That's next week. Well, I know I'm a week early, but happy pre-Father's Day to all the CLC fathers. Now, since we're on the topic of Father's Day, my father wasn't a professional photographer, but when he came to buying his equipments, he just bought the best. After my dad's funeral, uh, my brothers and I began to sort out his stuff when we came across his old camera, the Canon PowerShot, the one Andrew Agassi used to endorse in the 1980s. Now, my dad loved, really, really loved this camera so much that he would carry around his neck and everywhere he went, looking like a tourist, taking pictures of everything from flowers to family. But that day when we found it, all wrapped up in a newspaper, I, I knew something was wrong. Now, come to think of it, it, it has been a while since we last saw that camera on my dad's neck. And as I began to unwrap the newspaper, I, I had a gut feeling that it was broken. And it surely was. The camera was broken because it was used. It was worn out. And simply, my dad had pushed that little button one too many times. You know, uh, people can be like this, uh, like my dad's camera. Uh, people get worn out, used up. And there's enough people that will push our buttons one too many times that our hearts become broken. You see, a broken heart is brought on by many physical or emotional stresses like death of a loved one, a divorce, a sickness, a car accident, or even breaking up with our girlfriends or boyfriends or experiencing what we are experiencing now in our Black community as they're feeling hurt, humiliated, and harmed. And once again, there are buttons being pushed one too many times. So this morning, I, I want to talk about a broken heart and how we as Christians can deal with the world that has wronged us and caused our hearts to ache. And I read a newspaper that decided to do a special set of articles on people that were suffering from a broken heart. So they asked the local pastors in the community to submit the names of their congregation members, of those that they knew had a broken heart. So that the newspaper would find them and interview them and write up their stories. But this one insightful pastor sent to the newspaper the entire phone book of the whole entire city. In other words, who doesn't have a broken heart? to some degree. Uh, last Sunday, um, I got a call from one of my buddy in LA. He, he's one of those guys by sheer mentioning of his name, my heart goes, oh. You see, he and I went through the LA riot together on the night of April 29, 2000, um, 1992. As we were getting out of our class, we saw the city go up in flames. 
as people lost their homes, properties, and their possessions. Now, us dodging people and debris to find cover and safety that we, we instantly bonded quickly. And also seeing what his family went through, we became really, really good friends. You see, this family lost everything as looters came in and took everything. And it wasn't just recently. It was just recently that they began to relieve or relive the American dreams. So when I picked up the phone and heard him sob, and what I saw on that news, I knew immediately what had happened. So I grabbed my keys and I rushed down to L.A. And and as I was parking my car in front of their store, the images of that horrid night flashed before my eyes as I saw their windows smashed, their doors and furnitures destroyed, and the store looked like what it did some 28 years ago. And upon entering, I saw his mother sobbing in one of the corners, and his father was just staring up at the ceiling in disbelief, shouting and weeping these words. Why? Why, God? Why us again? Why are we the victims of this crazy madness again? Now, you got to understand that these words were coming from a God-fearing couple. They loved Jesus so much. I I knew it. And they lived it. And their lives has always revolved around serving their community, their church, and the people in the church as well as the neighbors that that they served. But not only were they a faithful man of God or a faithful woman of God, they were the most generous people that that I knew of. But here they were as believers Their hearts were broken once again. Their buttons pushed just one more time. And you know, as a pastor, I know a pain is a human experience that we all must live through. And it is a necessary part of life. But you know what? I knew of no words, nor did I have any words to comfort them in their needs. As a fellow brother in Christ, I just stood there with tears coming down from my eyes as I began to just pick up the pieces of their broken dreams once again. And, you know, I'm feeling the same way this morning as I'm giving this message, knowing that our country is broken again, brokenhearted. As our nation is bitterly divided, choosing one size from another, and we're dug in deep. We're, we're divided between the whites and the blacks, the Democrats and the Republicans, the cop versus the rest of the world. And our president, of course, is right in the middle of all things. You see, racial inequality has lured its ugly face once more stemming from the brutal murders of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylors. And once again, the Black community is experiencing the brokenhearted of racism. In a recent data, 
shows that there have been little changes in the racial composition of our neighborhoods over the past 60 years. People of color, especially Blacks, continues to live in a racially segregated communities. In fact, Blacks continue to experience the highest rates of racial segregation of any groups. Racial segregation is a part of a cycle of inequality and can deprive groups of access to important health-promoting resources such as a healthy good options, quality schools, parks, and even green spaces. And racially segregated low-income areas tend to have higher crimes rate than substandard housings and limited access to broader and social networks, limiting opportunities for upwards and social mobility and better health cares. Yet, another characteristics of racially segregated poor areas is this hyper-policing or racial profiling and the distress associated with racial discriminations coupled with racial vigilances, a learned responses to chronic experiences with the racial discriminations can literally age the body and may contribute to the poorer health to outcomes and already seen in racially segregated communities of color. Now, I wanna ask you, who doesn't have a broken heart? We all do, but some, far more than others. But I want to say this morning, God sees us. God sees our broken hearts. You know, when someone once said that life is about is not about happiness. It's about sufferings and knowledge and pain and heartaches. And without any of this, you might be as well as just be an empty soul. You know, I could really definitely empathize with this statement as the Black community marches on on in protest to have their voices heard and shout out that their lives really, really matter. And we, as this body of Christ, CLC stands in solidarity and support so that we may soothe their empty souls. But why? Why do they matter? Why do we need to consider them as our neighbors? A couple of weeks ago, uh, when I went to the doctors, I found out that I had a five millimeters kidney stone lodged uh, right above my right kidney. And then when it comes down and travels through my urinary tracts, that I was going to be in for a treat. Now, sharing this information with a doctor friend, he told me, Ben, if the pain threshold of having a baby is like 10, then passing a kidney stone will be about nine. Of course, sharing from his own past experience. Now, isn't it interesting that something so small can cause the whole body to hurt so much? But in a way, that's exactly what Apostle Paul alludes to to our message today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. If one part suffers, the whole part, every part suffers with it. And throughout the chapter 12, Paul uses the metaphor of body to describe the Christians all around the world. 
when Paul says, God has put the body together, and he was referring to the whole entire body of Jesus Christ, all the Christians, we all have different gifts, we all have different roles, but since we are all party, a part of the same body, and if one person hurts, we all hurt. When a fellow Christian faces persecutions, grief, and trials, we heard as if we're experiencing that same pain. Amen? Amen. You see, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. So then you may ask, why does Black Lives Matter? or Asian lives matter, or any lives matter, because it matters to Jesus. Because he he sees all. He knows all. Especially in the light of this current crisis, Jesus loves the brokenhearted. You know, as a child, um, I grew up in one of the most rough and tough part of the neighborhood in South Central Philly. And let me tell you, Living in Philly wasn't a bed of roses. Every day to and from school, I would walk and I would see dead bodies or I would see that white chalk mark outlining that a dead body was once there. But what was waiting for me in front of my elementary school was more alarming. Every day, ad nauseum, I was confronted by these Five bullies who wanted to take my lunch money. And if I didn't have my lunch money, they would just simply take my lunch. And those days that I purposely didn't pack a lunch, then it would be a feast day on Ben as they began to plummet me to the ground. And this lasted for three years until my parents found out why I had a black eye 365 days of the years. So then my parents decided to pack up their bags and move to an all-white neighborhood in Huntington Beach, California. And while growing up in Huntington Beach, my mom told me never to play with the blacks or never to associate myself with the blacks. But then I would go to my mom. Mom, (laughs) there are no blacks where we live. But it didn't matter. I grew up hating the blacks, having this hatred and this animosity toward them because of my past and because of my past brokenness. Then something incredible happened on one morning of 2002. As I was in Hawaii, I was in a DTS, a YOM school of discipleship training. That morning, like any other morning, I woke up really early. I washed up and went out to early prayer morning, prayer meeting, and came back to my room and I started to read from John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to the Jerusalem. I read the second verse, the third verse, the fourth verse, the fifth verse. And I came to the sixth verse when he says, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And I began to see how Jesus 
handles the broken. How he approaches a broken person. Showing us that this is what we need to do. Jesus observes him very, very compassionately. Jesus sees him lying there for how many years? For 38 years. Being surrounded by a huge, miserable crowd. And yet Jesus only sees this one guy. And now, I knew that Jesus must have seen all the multitudes. I knew that he knew all their names. But can you picture with me that he actually sees him zeroing on this one person only, this one solitary human beings, this being to the eyes of the world, a worthless, crippled man who's been lying there for 38 years. Can you imagine 38 years in the same spot, in the same position? But Jesus sees him, only him. And something inside me came alive. A loud ding. Something struck me hard. Then the Holy Spirit totally wrecked me and began to speak to me, saying, the very reason that Jesus went up to Jerusalem, the very reason that he troubled himself getting out of his comfort zone was because he knew there lied one broken man who's been suffering for 38 years. Do you see this? Do you see how Jesus sees this person? You see, loving the broken begins by how we see the broken. It's by how we observe them because Jesus loves the broken. And that's how we need to see them as well. One more time, loving the broken begins by how we see the broken. And it's by how we observe them because Jesus loves the broken. And that's how we need to see them well. Just like today's verse says, if one part suffers, every part suffers as well. But because of my own inability, my own weakness, my own prejudice, or simply my hatred toward this one particular group, I couldn't see how God wanted to see me or to see the world. You see, from my past scars, those five bullies, that three years of torment caused me great harm. And remembering like other Christians that caused me great pain or or, or a girlfriend who broke my heart. And because of these walls, Walls of pain, I call it. I wasn't able to see how God wanted to see me. And like I said, we all get worn out. People get used up. And that enough people have pushed our buttons one too many times. That our hearts become broken again and again and again. A couple of days ago, I was listening to a podcast of a black pastor preaching. The way that you could jump in there with us in advocacy is actually through empathy. I mean, isn't that what the Bible teaches us? 
to bear one another's burden. So to fulfill the law of Christ, we know the law of Christ entails loving our neighbors, even as to loving our enemies. But some of us may argue that this is good to certain degrees, but there are complexities. One of the complexities is that many Asians feel that black people have been racist and victimizing toward us for a long time. And many of us feel that these attacks constitute an injustice to us that is not acknowledged or dealt with in a politically correct or politicians or law enforcement or other agencies in power. I mean, isn't it true that we feel unheard and ignored as Asian Americans and more and more of these types of crimes happen in our neighborhoods? And because of these attacks, many of us feel biased that affect how we view on the topic of Black Lives Matter. And so in return, we are forced to ask, well, what about us? Doesn't our lives, doesn't Asian lives matter too? What about the lives that some blacks have injured or taken? You know, I want to pause here for a moment and and take us back to the Sermon on the Good Samaritan. (laughs) I don't know what it was, but this quote just kind of stuck with me for the past two weeks. And the quote is, to be like the Samaritan, many of us, me included, will need to raise our compassion threshold for others especially that neighbor is in our worldview as our enemies, someone so different from us, people that we have othered. Now, this word othered has been with me for the past two weeks, and I couldn't shake it. Because isn't it true that we've been othering so many people, so many races, so many lives because because of our own broken heart? So then, how do we respond? How do we, as an Asian American church, need to react? How do we respond as this body of Christ to this current current crisis? You know, in answering, I'm going to put myself out on a limb here. There might be some of you might not like what I'm about to say. But here it goes with the grace. We need to repent. Asking God to soften our hearts. Asking for forgiveness. I mean, who doesn't have a broken heart to certain degrees? Who doesn't have some sort of a prejudice and racial discriminations of some sort? I certainly did for a long time. But you know, before pointing the finger at anyone else, we need to begin by repenting of our own sins that have been played a role in these injustices. Now, be it by your own actions, our attitudes or our empathy, apathy, that we must repent of the sin of racism in our own hearts and also in our own words, as well as our thoughts and also in our lands. No, we must repent of our sins, of not loving our neighbors as ourselves. We must repent of not caring for the poor, the oppressed, or the vulnerable in our communities. As for God commands us to seek justice and correct oppressions. 
you know, we need to repent to God so that he would have mercy on us and forgive us as a nation, as his church, and as a child of God for the sins committed against our neighbors in the past that continues even today. And, you know, and by repenting of our hearts, our hearts become softened to realize that injustice to one race is injustice to all the races. As today's scripture says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. But isn't it true that forgiveness seems to be a topic commonly talked about, and yet it is least practiced in our daily walk? Do you know why? Because true forgiveness is wiping out an offense from, an, from our memory. And once the memory is eradicated, the offense no longer conditions the relationship between the offender and the affronted and causing a harmony restored between the two. And we know as Christians that we ought to forgive when others have wronged us. I mean, the biblical teaching is clear in the passage such as Colossians 3.13 or Ephesians 4.32. Since we have been forgiven by God, that we must forgive others who sins against us. And this morning, as I began to see how Jesus saw that broken man, I began to see my own brokenness. I began to see my, my own walls of pain. And my heart began to soften, and I knelt before the Lord, asking God to forgive me of all those years, harboring this animosity toward the blacks, and asking him to take away my pain and, and by shouting out these five names. In Jesus' name, I forgive George. In, in his righteous names, I forgive Frank. In his amazing name, I forgive Arthur. In the mighty name, I forgive Bruce. In Jesus' name, I forgive Zach. And that very morning, I was free from the bondage of all, of all those chains that had weighed me down for years. You see, the nature of forgiveness is to muster up whatever compassion you have left for the person that has wronged you. And if you cannot do this, if you cannot have the compassionate toward that individual, anger eats away. And then gives birth to bitterness and then bitterness to resentments. And we all know what resentment isn't something worth carrying around in our lives because it becomes heavy. A burden that weighs us down, that makes us isolated and could lead to division or even to hatred. How about forgiveness? Forgiveness takes away that wall of pain. Forgiveness transforms the anger and hurt into healing and peace, which we can only know in Jesus Christ. In, in Jesus, we find a Savior who taught us that all things are possible. We learn that he, he wanted us to live in an abundant life. He, he convinces us that no human could take away what he's doing inside of us even though that the world is full of pain and sorrow, Jesus Christ 
has overcome this world. So this morning, I want us to spend some time before the Lord, honestly asking, you know, Lord, search me. Search me to, to know my own hearts, to test me and to know my anxious thoughts. And asking the Lord to see if there is any, any offenses that, that is inside of me and asking him to lead us or to lead me in the way of everlasting. This morning, I want us to ask the Lord to turn away from our past sins, our apathy, and turn to the Lord as we love our neighbors, even our enemies. People of CLC, we will never receive healing for our damaged emotions until we stop blaming everyone else and accept our own responsibility. And this morning, I want to ask, do I really want to be healed? Because this is the very question that Jesus asked of the sick man who lay there for 38 years. Jesus asked in verse 6, do you really want to be healed? Or do you just want to talk about your problems that you have? Because I love a broken heart. God loves a broken heart. And that's why he sent his own very own son to die on the cross because of our own brokenness. I want to close today with a word from the psalmist. And the words come from Psalm 51, 17. And it says, a broken and contrite heart, O Lord, that you will not despise. Once more, a broken and a contrite spirit, O Lord, you will not despise. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I know you are here in the, in, in, even in the midst of this virtual worship. And I know that you are speaking to us right now. As we close our today's service, would you break our hearts with the things that break your heart? And help us to see how you want us to see. And may we be drawn to those things who are broken by maybe their circumstances, by other people, maybe because of our actions. And just as you have spoken today that this isn't easy. I'll be the first to admit that forgiveness isn't easy. In actuality, it's inconvenient. Sometimes it could be so embarrassing. We can be misunderstood also too. But Lord, we believe that forgiveness captures so much the heart of you who saw and acted upon what you saw. So would you make us cry and repent before you so that we can also see and act upon what you did? Jesus, thank you for seeing us in our needs right now in our country, in our brokenness, in our moment of weakness. And Lord, we live righteously because we live from victory that was already won on Calvary. Lord, thank you for sending us your son to die on the cross so that we could see what kind of a wretched sinners we are. And yet you still love us. You still love our brokenness. And you no longer wanted to live us or wanted us to live in brokenness so that you on the cross conquered 
Да. Lord, once again, would you wash away our sins as white as snow? And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.